Grab your Bibles uh, and turn with me to uh, Genesis chapter 8, and you can put a marker in Galatians chapter 6. We'll go there very shortly. I thank all of you that have been praying with us, 21 days of prayer. I hope that you are feeling God, hearing God, experiencing God. Man, I just feel so close to Him. And, and uh, uh, my wife came home and she made me a cake the other night. And every time I eat a piece of it, I just, I just think how good the Lord is. And it's so this, fast, this, this prayer and feasting thing is going very well for me. Not so well for my belt loop, but everything else is going very well. And I hope that you're praying with us every day. Give God the first fruits of your day. And, and watch how He'll lead you and guide you and be with you. So we're in a series entitled, You Asked For It. Last week we talked about uh, finding the will of God, understanding the will of God. And uh, I, just, I just know that, that uh, even in my life, things we've been praying about here with, at, at the church and, and uh, direction and what God has for us in the future, already I'm beginning to sense and feel the will of God as He's moving. And so I hope that's helped your life as well. One of the questions that was asked, the second most important, uh, specific question that was asked is how important is health and fitness to Lindsay and I and uh, you know I know that's hard for you to believe that it's important to me when I talk I just got through talking about a cake and feasting um, uh, but it is so so here's my answer to that for all of you that asked it um, it's important but probably not important enough uh, so Lindsay and I do several things uh, to, to try to help us uh, stay out of trouble. Uh, one, we stay active. We try to do something active every day. Uh, we, we, we're trying to stay active and, and mobile and, uh, and, and, and out. You know, when we went on our vacation this trip, it was a very active outdoor trip. And uh, so we, this is, that's how we live our life. We try to do something active every day if we possibly can, uh, especially when you have jobs like we do that are often sitting and uh, sitting in front of a computer or sitting across from people having meetings or whatever. We, we, we have to work really hard to be active. The second thing is I try to eat less. Um, I don't do so well at eating the right things sometimes, but I do try to eat less of the wrong things. Um, thirdly, I, I drink tons of water. Um, uh, from everything that I read and understand, most of us um, uh, are, are not hungry. We're dehydrated and we need more water. And, uh, and, and, but we get confused and we think we're hungry, so we eat more, but that doesn't really solve the problem. So we continue to eat and we overeat, but we're really thirsty. Uh, and this is, this is uh, you know, uh, what Dr. Oz to, uh, told me. And uh, <laughs> I'm not kidding. Um, but, it, but, the, but the more water I drink, truthfully, the less calories I intake. So uh, that is a, a big factor in my life. I, I cut out Cokes for almost never drink Cokes. Um, it, it just doesn't go well for me for a number of reasons. Um, and I'd like to save those calories for the cake. So I just, uh, that's just me. But anyway, uh, and the fourth thing is uh, we just don't buy things and put them in the kitchen or in the cabinet or the refrigerator because we will eat it. And so we just don't even buy it. And not buying it helps us, uh, you know, we, we realize that our self-control is not always the best. Um, and so we just don't buy it. I was reading an article this week as I was studying for this message, and, it, and it's a topic that I have been um, studying for a while, and it talks, it, it, there, there are studies that are going on on the brain on how many decisions a person makes in the course of the day. The average adult makes about 35,000 decisions a day. And the, the more difficult decisions you make, 
your, your brain has the ability to, it's almost like in your brain there is a courtroom going on all the time. And so every time a decision is made up, it goes through like a mini courtroom, which may happen in a course of a split second, or it may be a long process, and it's going through a, like a courtroom until it makes a judgment and chooses what to do. And the more difficult decisions you make uh, earlier in the day, the more difficult situations you have to deal with later in the day, you struggle to make good judgments. And so the reason I thought about that as I was answering this question was because one of the illustrations they gave is that when people are trying to eat healthy, almost none of them uh, mess up and get off their diet at breakfast or lunch. It's always in the evening. Because in the morning, your brain is sharp and it's fresh and you haven't made 30,000 decisions yet. But as you get later in the day and you've dealt with life, now it's a struggle. So my encouragement to you from that is figure out how to structure your evening so you don't even have to make a decision about it. Does that make sense? Plan your meals ahead of time so when you come home, you don't have to choose between going home and cooking a roast or stopping by and picking up a pizza. You tracking with me? All right. So everybody take a deep breath. You asked for it, so I answered it. There it is. All right, so the topic we're going to talk about today, and it, it, and it kind of ties right into that, it's a great topic because last week we talked about uh, learning the will of God, understanding the will of God, understanding our purpose and His purpose for our life and, and, and all those things. And so uh, the, the next question I want to answer, the topic that you chose, was not number two, but it fits so well right here. It was actually number three, but it fits so well right here that I decided to move it up because the next thing you asked was, how do we change? I think this is a hilarious topic because nobody likes to talk about change. Like just when you say the word change, people start getting upset. You haven't even said what we're going to change. But just because you say we're going to do things different, people are already, they got their walls going up, right? And yet, we, we, we resist change, and yet we want change all at the same time. Uh, and so, I, you know, I, I thought a lot about why that is, you know, even in my life. I don't, I don't always want things to change. I, I like the same thing. When I go to restaurants, my wife can tell you that, that I am most likely to order the same thing at every restaurant I go to. And when I choose a restaurant, already in my mind, I've chosen what I'm going to eat for dinner or for lunch or whatever it is uh, because I, I like the same thing. And, I, and, I, and so when I decide to change that, there's always the fear that what if I don't like it? Like, you know, what, what, what if I go to a restaurant and I've saved my money and I go in there and I know I like this thing, but I'm going to get all crazy and I'm going to try something new. And I'm going to jump way out there on the waters. I'm walking on waters. And all of a sudden they come back and it's terrible. Now what do I do? I have wasted my money. I'm still hungry. And now I'm not, I'm not, I'm not only hungry, but I'm angry. And broke. <laughs> all, it, all of it. It's just a bad situation. And that is a minor uh, thing that, that illustrates in my life as, as things are changing uh, or God is instructing me to change or I'm even thinking there's something in my life I want to change. It's always that fear of, well, what if it doesn't work? What if I don't like it better? Well, change is hard for a lot of reasons. Change is hard because, you know... It's harder to do the right thing than it is the wrong thing. It just is. Change is harder because many times the people around us don't want us to change. 
Change is hard because uh, it's, it, it takes longer to build good habits than it does bad ones. It's, it's hard because it's just easier to let things happen naturally. Just, well, whatever's going to happen is going to happen. I'm just going to go with the flow. Change is hard because um, it's just easier to do what we've always done. I could go to the self-help books and um, give you seven ways to change in your life, but what I actually want to do is take you to the Word of God and, and help you understand what the Word of God has to say on the subject. And, but to understand how to change according to the Word of God, there is a core principle that you have to get as a foundation. And if you can't get this foundation, you're going to struggle to change God's way. Are you ready? Here's what it is. We find it in Genesis chapter 8, verse 22, then we'll go to Galatians. Genesis 8 and 22. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night, shall not cease. I want you to note here. While the earth remains, as long as there is an earth. Is there an earth right now? Yes, so that we're included. Seed time and harvest shall not cease. God set something into motion. Seed time and harvest is how the world works. Let's go now to Galatians uh, chapter 6 and see what Paul said on the subject. So we went to the beginning of the Bible. Now we're going to go to the New Testament. Here's what he said. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever one sows. That will he also reap. Here's what I need you to understand in your life. If you're, going, if, you're, if you're going to get God's view on the subject of change, we have to understand that my life is a result of the seeds I've sown. We are currently reaping from the seeds that we have sown. I know what you're thinking. Well, Pastor Randy, you don't know. Like, this happened to me and that happened to me. And I understand that things happened that were not our fault, we didn't cause. I, I could take a long detour on that subject today, but Paul broke it down to a very simple place. And I'm going to ask you to allow me to simplify it so that we can understand a principle that can then be applied to our life to change according to the way God wants us to change. Allow me to oversimplify just a bit today. No doubt things have happened, and I don't want to be insensitive to those things, but the Bible made it clear, so allow me to do the same. You see, when we spend all of our time pointing uh, at the reasons why we are where we are, who we are, like we are, but those reasons don't point to the seeds that we've planted, then we are, according to Paul, deceiving ourselves. Don't be deceived. For the most part, your life is the fruit of the seeds you've planted. And here's what he said, God's not mocked. What, what does he mean there? To, to think otherwise is mocking God. Let's keep reading what he says in verse 8. Are you okay this morning? Amen. All right, all right. For the one who sows to his own flesh will reap from the flesh, uh, will, will reap from the, will, I'm sorry, let me stop that again, that was bad will 
from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. The Spirit there is capitalized, referring to the Holy Spirit. If you'll, if you'll sow into the things the Holy Spirit is telling you to do and telling you to say, then you'll reap His will and His plan in your life. But if you're sowing according to your own way, your own plans, your own desires, your own flesh, you will reap only what your flesh can produce in your life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap. I love this here because it is not a maybe. It is a definite. Why can Paul say it is a definite thing you will reap in due season? Because when you start doing the right thing, when you start sowing, even if you start sowing the wrong thing, when you start sowing, a clock begins and there is a time when that harvest is going to come up. It will happen. It will happen. It will happen. If we don't give up. He said, so, so don't give up. So then... As we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially to those who are out of the household of faith. Here's what Jesus said in Luke chapter 6, verse 43 and 44. These are the words of Jesus now. If you're reading in a red letter edition, they are in red. Here's what Jesus said. For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear uh, good fruit. It just can't happen. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor grapes picked from a bramble bush. Here's what Jesus said. He's saying the same thing that Paul is saying and that God said in Genesis. Right? He's saying, whatever you sow, you're going to reap. And you can know what you've sown by looking at the fruit. I can tell you all day long that I've, I, I am growing an apple tree. I'm growing an apple tree. I'm going to have me some apple pie and some apple cobbler and some apple slices with peanut butter and uh, however you like your apples. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have apples. And you, you can tell the whole world. You can put a sign out front. This is my apple tree. Greatest apple tree that the world has ever seen. But in due season, if you have orange things hanging on it, you don't have an apple tree, you have an orange tree. And it doesn't matter if you declare, it's a, if, you're, if you are peeling the orange saying, look at my apple, the rest of the world is looking at you like you have lost your mind. Because a tree is known by its fruit. We know it's an orange tree because it's producing oranges. And just because we say it's something else doesn't mean it's something else. Are there things in your life that you keep declaring are one way when all the rest of the world is looking at you going, that is not who you are? That's right. Amen. I'm an apple tree. Look at me, I'm an apple tree. And people are like, so you're over there going to convince them you're an apple tree. So you got some red paint and you're painting over the oranges to try to make them look like apples, but you're not fooling anybody. You are an orange tree. The fruit in your life is declaring this is who you are. What does your fruit say of you? So here's, here's what we have to understand. If you want to change your fruit, the only thing you can do is to change your seeds. We keep trying to work with the fruit. 
We keep trying to add flavor to it. We, we, we keep trying to move stuff around and paint it in, in, to, in order to try to change the fruit. But the tree is an orange tree. It's going to keep producing oranges. You know, you've often heard it said, and I, I know this, uh, I know you have that Albert Einstein says the definition of insanity is to keep doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. Albert Einstein is a very intelligent man. He didn't make that up. This is, this is a biblical principle. You keep planting orange tree, you're going to keep getting oranges, not apples. I think we might ought to stop and all ask ourselves right here, am I crazy? If you want change in your life, we have to get to the seed level. We can't, we can't stop at the fruit and think we're going to cause things to be done differently. It has to get to the seed level. So then we ask ourselves this question, and this is one of our major questions of the day. What seeds, back up, we'll, we'll, we'll go there. If your life is a result of the seeds you've sown, and you will never get different results until you change your seed, right? Then here's the question. What seeds am I planting that need to change so my life can change? What seeds am I planting that need to change so my actions can change? You see, we, we all just wake up and say, I'm just going to do things differently today. It doesn't start there. We're trying to change the fruit, and God says, you've got to get to the seed. So what is the seed? Would you like to know? All right, let's, let, let's back it up. We'll start from the end. We'll reverse engineer this thing and get it back to the beginning. Here's the first thing we have to understand. To change our actions, we must change our words. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. What you say has power to kill or to give life. And, and the more you talk about something, I promise you, you keep talking about it long enough and you'll be trying to get it done. If you, if, if you keep talking about uh, wanting to, to quit your job, eventually you'll find a good enough reason to walk out and quit your job. If you keep talking about leaving your spouse long enough, you'll find a reason to leave your spouse. This is the way we work. If you just keep talking about it, if you just keep saying it, eventually you'll get it done. Or, or, or you will fail while you try. Because we act when we just keep talking long enough. We just keep saying it. We just keep saying it. Um, when I was uh, younger, I went on two mission trips uh, for one month each with Teen Mania. And one time I went to Peru for a month, uh, Lima, Peru, and the other time I went to uh, Alaska for a month. Fabulous trips. I mean, changed my life. God spoke to me. He gave me direction. We, we saw miracles. We saw people saved. It was amazing. But, you know, when we're walking through, we, we ate peanut butter and jelly sandwiches like every day. Peanut butter, jelly sandwiches, and ramen noodles like every day. It was one of those two things for every single meal. And it was hot. And you've got this makeup on because we did this drama thing. And, and you've got makeup on and the clothes don't fit right. And you're walking everywhere you go. And I'm carrying this massive sound equipment. And, and right up front, everybody would start complaining. You know, I don't want peanut butter and jelly today. About three days in, you're like, man, we've had peanut butter and jelly for breakfast, peanut butter and jelly for lunch. We came home and had ramen noodles. And then we did the same thing. About three days in a row, you're like, man, I really want something else. And it's hot out here. It's 100 degrees. And 
But we had to make this rule. Our, our leaders came in and said, there's this rule in Teen Mania. We're sorry we didn't share it with you. It's called no stating the obvious. We know it's hot. And none of us want peanut butter and jelly anymore. And none of us want ramen noodles anymore. But the more you say it, it starts to change and break down what we're trying to do here. And the team was getting frustrated, and we were starting to fight with each other, and we were starting to bicker, and we would show up, and suddenly we're going to turn it on and put on this program and preach the gospel and get people saved. But really, our hearts were frustrated and angry and hot, and we didn't want to be there, and we wanted to just go find a McDonald's somewhere. And they said, you have to stop stating the obvious because it's creating death in our team. Well, that's a principle to live by right there, isn't it? How many times in our life do we just continue to state the obvious and it starts to break down inside and our, our attitudes change and our hearts change, our emotions change and we, just, and we start treating people differently? They didn't do anything to us, but we've just continued to say how bad life is, how, how bad this is, how bad that person is until it has broken down our life. Here, here's what I want you to understand. Changed words will lead to changed actions. Change words will lead to change actions. So now, and I want, I want to show you this so we, because we're going to track because the words are not the beginning. But change words, if you'll show me that one with the, with the arrows, uh, Ed, I'd appreciate it. Change words lead us to change actions. Words are powerful, but here's the thing. Words are not the seed. Words are not the seeds. Well, second point is this. To change our words, we must change our thoughts. If you were reading the self-help gurus, uh, they would say it's the power of positive thinking. Again, they didn't make it up. This is a biblical principle that's been around forever. Jesus goes on to say um, in, in Luke 6.43, we talked about no good tree bear bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit, for each tree, is no, each tree is known by its fruit. He comes on down, and he says this, The good person, out of the good treasure of his heart, produces good, and the evil person, out of his evil tre treasures, produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks." Let's go on now. Let, let, let's go to another verse. Proverbs 23 and 7. This is, what, this is what Solomon said. For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. So whatever my thoughts are, whatever I'm thinking, out of that, that becomes words. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So whatever I'm thinking, out of that I speak. And then whatever I speak, that's what I become. Here's what I want you to know today. You are exactly who you thought you are, who you think you are. You are who you think you are. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. For as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Whatever you think, that's what you are. Wow. Well, this is interesting. Why? Because here's what we have to understand. Thoughts are the actual seeds that grow into changed actions. Thoughts, changed thoughts, lead to change words, which lead us to changed actions. Changed thoughts lead us to change words that bring us to changed actions. Thoughts are the seeds. I want you to get a picture of this. Thought, my thought, everything, every thought I have is a seed. And if I allow it to grow, what will it grow into? If I have a negative thought, 
and I allow that to grow, it's going to turn into negative words, and then it's going to turn into negative actions. And Jesus said this, you know a tree by its fruit, right? If you have negative actions in your life, they can be traced back to negative words, and then trace back further to seeds of negative thoughts that were planted. Now, here's the thing about thoughts. Thoughts can be planted by a lot of different people. Who's planting the thoughts in your life? Is God planting the thoughts? Are you planting the thoughts? Are, are other people planting them? Is your family planting them? Is Hollywood planting them? Uh, are, are your enemies planting them? Is the devil planting them? Thoughts can be planted by a lot of different people. Let me tell you something else about thoughts. When, when you have... Um, you know, when we bought our ranch uh, years ago, we had to go plant trees. It was a rice field, so we had to plant every tree, every plant on the place. Oh, Dad and I uh, put it in the ground. Um, but here's what I've noticed in, in the gardens that we've had and the shrub bushes and the, all that stuff. You have to plant good trees. You've got to stake them down. You've got to work the ground you got to dig a hole. You've, you've got to put miracle grow on them. You've got to water them. You've got to take special care of them. But weeds, they just grow. You don't have to touch them. They'll grow through a drought. <laughs> when everything else is dying, the weeds will grow. And it, weeds will choke out the life of the good plants that you're trying to plant. Here's the point. The good seeds, the good thoughts in your life, they have to be planted on purpose. They have to be cultivated. They have to be watered. They have to be protected. They have to, you got to put miracle grow on them called the Word of God. You, you've got to keep putting, you got to take care of them. You got to make sure who's planting in your garden. But here's the thing weeds get planted all the time words you hear it, it, they don't even have to be said to you but have you ever just been walking by you saw something on tv weren't even paying attention but they said something that sparked a thought and for 30 minutes you couldn't get it out of your mind because you know what weeds can be planted the birds drop them off the wind blows them in they were left over from years gone by where there used to be a weed there you might call that some type of generational curse or generational mindset that was there and you don't even know it all they just blow in our life and we as, as christians as believers have to recognize uh, they are growing and producing a fruit that is not good for me and i've got to go back to the root i've got to go back to the seed and i've got to pluck those things out and not allow bad thoughts to take root in my life because they'll grow they will grow you don't, have to, you don't have to worry about a weed. It will just grow. A bad thought will just grow. You don't, have to, you don't have to think too long on it. But good things, pleasant things, godly things, I'm telling you right now, if you want to produce apples in your life, you better take very good care of those seeds. And that's the way our thoughts work. It's, it's, it's interesting how this whole thing was set up. Um, I, you know, Paul said it like this, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. And, and when, we, when we plant or we allow people of God to plant in our life, we water them, we take care of it, God will give the increase. You will produce fruit. If I want to plant an apple tree, I've got to get an apple seed and plant it. But weeds just grow. But here's the thing. It's actually deeper 
than just your thoughts. You see, the, the self-help people, they may stop here. Secular uh, uh, people, they may stop right here. But what I'm telling you is, according to the Word of God, it actually goes deeper. You hear, see, here's what I want you to know. You are exactly who you think you are, but you may not be who you thought you were. You're exactly who you think you are, but you may not be who you thought you were. What are you talking about, Pastor Raymond? Well, it's not just what you think, but it's where you think it. It's not just what you're thinking. It's not about just are you saying the right thing or thinking the right thing, but it's where are you thinking it. Notice here what, what Jesus said again. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. He didn't say out of the abundance of the mind. He said out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Solomon said it like this. As a man thinks in his heart. You see, oftentimes there is a disconnect between our mind and our heart. And we think we're thinking something, but all along our heart is thinking something else. And according to the Bible, it's not so much about what our mind declares, but it's about what our heart is thinking. Out of the abundance of our heart, the mouth speaks, as a man thinks in his heart. Are you tracking with me here? It's not just about what you're thinking, but it's about where you're thinking it. Consider this. You like to drive really fast. Does anybody here like to go fast? I like to drive really fast. Okay, thank you for a few honest people. I like to drive really, really fast. Um, I, 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 man, I, I just want to go. I just want to go. So you decide, I like to drive fast. I just love it. In my heart, there's something thrilling about going fast. Thinking I'm Mario Andretti, just, you know, just flying down the highway, weaving in and out of traffic. It's, and, and, and you're going, and so you get a ticket. Ah, no problem. It's just one. And you get another. And the first one you got off with defensive driving that you didn't pay attention to. And the second one, uh, you know, you got a pretty good slap on the wrist. You got you a couple hundred dollar ticket. That hurt, but it didn't change you. You keep on driving fast because I just love driving fast. And the third time, the officer pulls you over and he says, um, do you know how fast you're going? Yes, sir. How fast are you going? 98. Okay. You realize you're in a school zone. Yes, sir. But I just use those as obstacles. <laughs> and you're driving, man, because, and he says, well, why are you doing that? Because my heart loves to go fast. Just love it. So, you go before the judge. The judge tells you on this third ticket in one month, he tells you, sir, ma'am, <laughs> if you get one more ticket in the next year, I'm putting you straight in jail. Now, I don't want to go to jail. I love to drive fast, but I don't want to go to jail. Can I get an amen? <laughs> so, for the next year, I drive the speed limit. Exactly the speed limit. Like set my cruise on 65 in a 65. I'm not going to go to jail, but I'm going to go as fast as I can without going to jail. Are you tracking with me? You make it through the whole year. You're counting down the days till you can go fast again. And all of a sudden you get there and one day you look at your ticket and you look at that court order and it says 
Now that threat is off of your life. So in 366 days, you wake up early in the morning. You're bubbly. You're excited. You've got three cups of coffee in you. Everybody's looking around like, what's wrong with you? And you're saying, I get to go fast today. (laughs) And you get in your car and you go fast again. Why do we do that? Because our heart never changed. I want to go fast. I like to drive fast. I love to go fast. And when the external pressure and fear of going to jail is off, I'm still going to go fast because my heart didn't change. Now let me be clear. I love to go fast. But I came to a place in my life when I realized I love the safety of my family and my kids more. When I was young, I drove fast like probably every other male in this room. But I haven't gotten a ticket in a long time. Because somewhere along the way, I said, my heart changed. And I said, man, I got precious cargo in the back. I I know I need to get me one of them soccer mom stickers that says, slow down, precious cargo on board. (laughs) Why? But somewhere, I I don't ever struggle with maybe I should go fast today. That's never in my mind anymore. It used to be. I got a ticket within two weeks of getting my driver's license, going too fast. Went to see my my driver's ed instructor, Homie, to give me defensive driving. Kid you not, his name was Homie Washington. He's like 6'10", football player, and he owned a barbecue joint down in Port Arthur. He gave me a, and and, and man, two weeks, and Ryan and I were both there together. (laughs) Why? Because our heart hadn't changed, but somewhere along the way, our heart changed. And I don't struggle with going fast. I don't drive down the road. You know what I drive down the road thinking now? When the guys fly by me going 90, I'm like, them crazy suckers. I hope there's an officer waiting up there just to get them. Do you think that now too? You're like, I, I just, and, and texting at the same time. You know what I want to do when people drive by me text? I want to honk really loud and look at them crazy. Like, and just like, I just, but I don't, because then, you know, what if they crash? Then I'd be feel responsible, and then I'd have to have a little talk with Jesus. And, and, just, and Don't leave the church because I said that. I would never do it. It just goes through my mind, and I pluck that thought out because seeds are thoughts, and I have to get rid of it. Here's my point. If your thinking never changes to the point that it gets to the heart level, real change will never occur in your life. It won't stick. It won't stick. You you can think positive thoughts all day long, but if it never gets to the heart level, no change will happen. Here's where the real complication comes in. I said this statement to you. You are exactly who you think you are, but you may not be who you thought you were. Here's why. Jeremiah chapter 17. Here's what God said. Um, Verse 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Who is getting deceived by our hearts? Not God. We are. We're exactly who we think we are. Who our heart thinks we are. But we can at this very same time be deceived 
and our mind be thinking one thing and our heart be thinking someone else. But the seeds of our, the, the thoughts of our mind are not seeds. The thoughts of our heart are the seeds. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So what's the solution? Because here's the deal. A changed heart will lead us to changed thoughts. Will lead us to changed words. And the result is a changed actions and a changed life. But how do we deal with a deceitful heart? Let's look at what the Bible says in Jeremiah, what, what God said, because he gave us a solution. There's three parts to it. Uh, verse 5. I'm reading now from the Message Bible. Jeremiah 17, verse 5. The first point is this. Trust in God, not yourself. Here's what he says. I'm sorry, I'm working our, our graphics team overtime today. Doing a great job. Here we go. All right, we'll go uh, ESV, I guess. Uh, Thus says the Lord, cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes, his, makes flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. Cursed, cursed is the man who trusts in himself. Cursed is the man who trusts in, in, in muscle alone. You thought you could outstrength the problems in your life. But, but, but God says that man is cursed. Here's what he says. He is like a shrub in the desert and shall not see any good come. He shall dwell in the parched places of the wilderness in an inhabited salt land. Uh, in, in, the, in the Message Bible, it says it like this. He lives rootless and aimless in a land where nothing grows. You wondered why real fruitful change is not happening in your life? Because you're trying to do it on your own. But blessed is the man who trusts me, God, and the woman who sticks with God. They're like trees replanted in Eden, putting down their roots near the rivers. I love this. Never a worry through the hottest of summers, never dropping a leaf, serene and calm through droughts. And then here's what he says, bearing fruit every season. Here we are back to that fruit thing again. You want to bear good fruit in every season? Understand that God is your source and put your trust in Him. Don't put your trust in just assuming that you can force change in your life. Your results are going to be limited. Things grow in the desert, but not very much. Things grow near water, near life. That's what getting connected to God is. Trust that God is your source. Number two, we've got to learn the truth of God. Still reading from the Message Bible, verse 9 and 10. The heart is hopelessly dark and deceitful, a puzzle that no one can figure out. But I, God, search the heart and examine the mind. I go to the heart of the human. I get to the root of things. I treat them as they really are, not as they pretend to be. This, this is what God wants to do in your life. If you'll come to Him, if you'll plant your, your tree and your seeds according to the things of God, if you'll do it His way, here, here's what He's saying. He said, I'll get to the root of things. You need to know God's truth on the subject because your heart may be deceiving you. You are who you think you are. You just may have thought you were someone else, but your heart is determining it. And if you'll allow God, He'll get to the root, He'll get to the seeds, 
You plant the right things and remove the wrong things. Stop trying to Google your symptoms and let the great physician tell you the truth. And number three, time with God will change your heart and thus change your fruit. He said, I treat them as they really are, not as they pretend to be. Don't run when this happens. Don't run when God removes your mask. But turn to God and trust that He wants to take care of you. Galatians 6 and 7, when this is where we started, it, it takes time for your harvest to grow. He said in, in Genesis, seed, time, and harvest. Verse 8, so sow in the Spirit. Allow the Holy Spirit to lead your heart and your thoughts. Verse 9, let's not grow weary of doing good. It takes time for a seed to grow into a tree and produce a fruit. Don't give up. Don't grow weary while doing good. And here's, here's what God said to me as I was praying for this message today. He said, Randon, tell the people that if they'll trust in me and they'll get my truth on the subject and what's going on in their life, and if they'll spend time and wait on me, commit to the process, here's what he said, I'm going to give them grace to change. Grace to change. Grace to change. Have you allowed God to examine your heart? Have you allowed him to speak to you? Have you allowed him beyond the mask that you're trying to tell everyone else? I'm going to pray this morning, and I'm going to pray a simple prayer, and then Pastor Chris is going to lead us through the end of the service. Um, but here's my prayer and my challenge to you. Get God's truth on the subject. You can't know your heart on your own, but God can. Trust in Him. Get His truth. Give it time. He's given you grace to change. Would you bow your heads? Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you. I feel you here today. I feel your Holy Spirit in the room. Lord, we need change in our life. And, and, and everyone in here has some, maybe some area, and it might be different than the person next to them. Some may be dealing with habits and others with addictions and some with emotions and some with old hang-ups and uh, some with just trying to get their life figured out and why is things happening and everything is going wrong. But God, today, I, I pray that through your word we'll be able to see clearly that there are roots, that there are thoughts of our heart that are growing into the fruit of our life. So, Father, expose our hearts to us today and allow us to do things according to your way, will and your way. Change us, shape us at the root level. Tr treat us as we are, not as we pretend that we are, so that, God, you can make us who you've called us to be. Lord, I'm praying grace to change over this congregation. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.